Throughout our days, we can experience emotions and situations where others are involved either internally or in another person. Many times, these emotions can become intensified and influence our communications with other beings. However, if our intentions of communication is to convey a message or information as efficiently and neutrally as possible with the highest probability that the receiving party interprets it in the way we are attempting to present it, then it's extremely vital that we do it when emotions are not present and all people involved are grounded and able to process the communications clearly and consciously. In this episode, we cover how to identify emotional reactions in ourselves and others and what to do if a conversation goes emotional and then some new perspectives on how to approach situations going forward post-emotional reactions. The Just Philosophy and the perspectives, tools, and techniques we share provide practical ways to consciously communicate and strengthen our relationships with ourselves and others. And this is just another piece of the puzzle to get you on your path to overall wellness on all five levels. So as I'm feeling a little creative today, I wanted to make a little rhyme as I ask everybody to consider sharing it, rating it, reviewing it, loving it, and receiving it. And what I mean by that is sharing the podcast, rating it and reviewing it on iTunes, loving it, of course, that's a given, and receiving it. So definitely get yourself into a great relaxed place so that this information can be absorbed on a neutral and non-emotional level, just like what we are actually going to discuss in this episode. And please don't feel hesitant to ask questions. It would be hard for this philosophy to work for you if you aren't clear on all the perspectives we are sharing. And of course, this just philosophy is about giving the power back to you, that there are no gurus hiding behind this that you have to go to to get answers, but we are here to answer questions as we understand that this philosophy is very complex in nature that is not something that is taught readily in our culture. And there's always the possibility that your question could spawn a topic for a new episode where it would not only answer your specific question, but also anybody else who is sharing the same curiosity. And of course, Alexander and I offer our deepest gratitude to everyone out there listening and working on you. So now, let's journey. With Aaron and Alexander. Uncovering our authentic self through self awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Wise Wise Podcast. I am Aaron Keith. Hello, everyone. Alexander here. Today, we have a really cool episode where we will be discussing 
Navigating situations when emotions arise, and this includes many different emotions, including positive emotions, as well as those not so positive or judged as not so positive, uh, including fear. Yes, and the basic premise of this is going to be just bringing to our attention how emotions do just color everything. And the those that are seeking to see things clearly, uh, this isn't a judgment on emotions. It is merely to inform you of what is happening when you're experiencing emotions. So we are not proponents of suppressing emotions or running from emotions. This whole philosophy is a proponent of processing emotions, and that means sitting with them, accepting them, um, being kind to them, and then letting them move through. And so we'll maybe get into some of the processing, but the main thing is just to kind of give a view of how our experiences are colored by our emotional reactions. Yes, and as you were talking about, the importance of processing emotions and how we discuss emotions in this podcast. I would also point people to past episodes in which we've discussed this at length. Uh, one was the importance of emotions within the philosophy. And of course, I will link that back in the show notes. So Alexander, when we talk about navigating situations when emotions arise, can we just kind of set the picture and what does it mean when emotions come in? If we have a situation where two people are discussing a subject where emotions have arisen between both or in one person. Well, I think uh, a couple of things to look out for first off is your breathing and heart rate. And I, I don't talk to too many people that know where their emotions really start. They just realize that they're upset or they're, they've been affected. And a big key to emotional processing is knowing that starting point. With me, one thing that I began to notice when I started doing this work was in my solar plexus, just below my rib cage, I would feel like a tenseness uh, would be one of my very first signs that an emotion is getting ready to come up. And that tenseness could be so-called positive emotion or so-called negative emotion because if I was getting excited about something, same tenseness as if I was starting to go into defense about something. So that was where I began focusing was just, first of all, on my breathing and breathing down into my abdomen and practicing that, that type of breathing and giving the focus in that area helps you to stay focused on how loose or how tight that area around the solar plexus is. And I'm not saying that that's going to be the place for everyone. So if, it, if that's not your place, then consider this. The next time you ride an elevator or a roller coaster, pay attention to the place, the area in your body that you feel a swoosh when the elevator just drops and it's almost like your feet dropping out from under you. More than likely... You will have a sensation, and wherever that sensation is, that's more than likely where your initial emotional trigger or sign is. And see, when that gets activated, that's when I started to practice self-discipline to accept that I'm not seeing this clearly at this time, whatever is happening in front of me. 
I'm going to take it in as it's happening, but when I go to process it, I'm going to realize that I was carrying a preference. And maybe my preference was different from the way that the person was presenting it. Therefore, I'm in resistance. And when we're in resistance, we are not getting all of the information. We're only getting fractals of the information. And then we will base our stance off of limited information. So my suggestion is just to learn to work towards where that emotion initiates and to go into that acceptance because this can help you with your defense mechanisms. It can help you with needing to prove your point because if you start to feel that emotion, that need to prove your point, you've already missed the point that the person is open to receiving. So at that point on, you're just exhausting your energy and probably creating more of a wedge between you and that person and not just with you and that person, but consider that you're creating a wedge with the subject that you're discussing. And many times we drive people's um, point of views to make them even stronger just because we create these defense mechanisms. And most everyone is full of ego. And so they feel a need to prove themselves, prove their way of seeing things. And that's why in my life, you know, I've through my healing crisis that I went through, I just created a saying for myself that I will just allow anyone to be right about any subject that comes up because it's not my job to police everyone. It's not my job to educate everyone. But it is my job that if somebody comes up with a question, to answer that question as best as I can in an informative and emotionally neutral way. That's what I have experienced. It has the highest likelihood of somebody receiving it purely. So this is why, once again, I like to share that I don't feel that truth needs to be proven. If you've got a truth that you're trying to prove to somebody, you may not be as clear in that truth as you really think that you are. And I think that that's a good place for people to just take a few moments to ponder that, that if you come across a point to where you are feeling frustration and you're trying to drive it home to your child, to your partner, to your parents, to anybody, then take a moment to pause and ask yourself, am I as really clear about this point as I feel that I am? Because if you are, your example will be the proof of it. And those that I've seen major respect for, the ones that can hold their truth and not need to defend it even when they're being attacked. That shows a confidence. It shows a calmness. And that's what many of the great sages and uh, true so-called spiritual teachers exemplified. The area where I feel my emotional reaction come in is actually very similar to yours, Alexander. It is below my ribcage and my solar plexus. Okay. Um, my solar plexus actually gets really tired if I have a lot of emotional energy or emotional reactions throughout a day. I can just feel it really, really tight, and it takes several days for it to relax. Mm -hmm. um, I also maybe feel that maybe some other certain types of emotions, I may feel other places. It may just be it all flowing into the physical after time, but I feel like, I, I know you've said in the past, grief is held in the lungs. I feel like when I've had grief, when I've had loss, I could feel that in my heart, and maybe that's why they call it a heartache, because it's right. kind of in that general area. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if, if you 
in your private practice, if you've heard other people say that that they've felt, I mean, again, maybe it's not an emotional reaction. Maybe it's the aftermath of the emotion. Right. Yes. It's the, it can be the healing process and the part of the body that yeah, is holding that emotion. And as it releases, it can feel like physical pain. And when I went through my five-year uh, chest pain trauma, there was... <laughs> No, I couldn't get across to people the feeling of it because it felt physical. It felt like it was in my physical body, but now I'm very clear that it was in my emotional and energetic body, but it felt very, very physical. And so now that's what I'm doing my best to help people to understand that a lot of pain can be relieved through emotional processing and energetic realignment. And so many people are focusing on physical the physical body and yes eating the right food drinking enough water and getting the right kind of movement can all be very useful to the physical body but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to resolve the pain and yes lots of inflammation from sugar and sedentary type lifestyles can be justified but again if you work on the energetic and emotional side many times the inflammation will go down you can take the inflammation down through dietary restrictions as well but emotional is a big part of it and many people that are overweight it's an emotional issue more so than an actual physical so-called fat issue so many of us have established patterns of behavior, how we handle our emotions and whether that was learned from our parents or our environment or resisting those things. We all have established behavior. What I've received from this philosophy, from doing this podcast with you is, is if we don't look to change the way that we operate on the emotional and the energetic levels, then we're only continually feeding these reactive natures that are eventually leading towards healing through the physical level so that we can handle it through diet. But if we don't stop the energy leakage or drainage through our perspectives or our perceptions, then we're, we're not really changing anything. We're changing the physical level so we don't feel it on the physical level. But sooner or later, those physical issues might, you know, come back because it seems like everything leads through the emotional and the energetic, the way we perceive things through our mental and the physical is kind of like the last level that it shows up on. I mean, it reminds me of modern day healthcare where we're taking care of the symptoms, but we're not taking care of the actual root of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, here we will bring in the five levels as we do on most episode that the philosophy focuses on the physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic and the spiritual or religious. And, you know, any issue that we go through, there's five different levels of so-called wellness or healing or um, adjustment or message. So for many people that have a weight issue, to realize there's an emotional component to that, and many people adjust their diets, and they just can't lose but a certain amount of weight, like almost no matter what they do. And it can be very frustrating, and this is where truly working on the emotional. So, you know, many people say, well, how do you just, how do you work on that? Well, you begin with 
learning the difference, one of the five pillars in this philosophy is polarity versus duality. And one of the first steps is learning that you do have a choice in these emotions and that when somebody says something that hurts your feelings, you do have the power to take that power back and choose that whether they don't know the complete story or whatever the logical reasoning is, you use that on the mental and then maybe the spiritual, you're able to say, well, you know, they just seemed a little emotional. So, you know, my spiritual side says that I shouldn't take it personal. So let me work with that. And then at the emotional, you can connect with it and you can say, well, this reminds me of how my stepfather used to talk to me or someone in the past. And energetically, you can feel how that makes you feel. And you can immediately go to something that brings you the opposite, brings you that that joy, that uh, good feeling again. You know, here in my office, I have a vibrational sound table. So I can go literally get a vibrational massage and it affect all five of these levels anytime that I want. And sometimes that can just help. Like I said, just went through all these different levels and in the emotional a lot of the healing around that or wellness around it is acceptance and true forgiveness. And with that, I want to take a pause because many times I work with people that feel that they have forgiven people from their past. And what they have done is they have just gotten to where they don't think about it daily. I call that out of sight, out of mind. So you've learned to put it on a shelf somewhere to where your mind doesn't visit it every day. But normally if I keep talking to that person about this person or this subject or situation, they will start to get irritated and get upset and many times start crying. And that's not a sign that forgiveness has truly happened. So I'm asking all of you listeners out there to those situations or people that you really feel like you have forgiven, ask yourself and please be honest, have you just set it to the side? Because one way to know the answer to that is if you can talk about that person or that situation very openly without any emotional release coming up. And that's just a good check-in point. So just getting back to somebody feeling that initial tightness, if it is in their gut or in their solar plexus or wherever they, they may feel it. I think initially, if this is new for some people, it's going to take time and the next time they have an emotional reaction, it may pass. And then after they may reflect back on it and be mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I did feel that. So let me try to be conscious the next time. Sure. And they may fail again. But but the more times we try to be present and conscious when we feel that, the better we're going to get at it. So it does take practice. So I just wanted to caution people out there that if you don't catch it the first time or even realize that you're feeling that the first time, just being aware of it is the first step. And yes. then, and then initially just practicing to really, it. yeah, to really get across to everyone that this type of work that we're talking about is, you know, it's very similar to working out to get the body that you want or working out to lift the amount of weight that you want to lift. A typical person that hasn't worked out doesn't necessarily say that they just want to lift uh, bench press 250 pounds. They might have to start at 100 pounds and slowly over months work up to that 250. And that's what this is. I mean, the very first step is just to learn not to, once you catch yourself in emotion, to 
stop entertaining it, stop feeding it as soon as possible. And what feeds all energy is friction. Resistance feeds the negative emotions. This is why the act of acceptance is such a big part of this philosophy. And again, acceptance does not equal condoning or agreeing with. It simply means that if you're going to have a party outside and it starts to rain, you can either resist that rain through duality and it ruin your party, ruin your day, ruin your relationship, everything, or you can accept, oh, well, it's raining. I was hoping that it wouldn't. You know what? I'm going to take my clothes off and go dance in the rain. I'm going to make love to that rain, and then we're going to adapt our party to the rain and make the rain part of the party. See, people, please pay attention to all that shifted there was your perception. And everyone listening to this podcast right now has this power to shift your perception in any situation that you're in. See, this is not positive thinking. This is not working like Pollyanna, just wanting to see the the roses and the rainbows and everything. This is actually wanting to see things for they how they actually are instead of some make-believe fairyland what we want it to be. And there is a place for that, and it's called the movies, and we're entertained by it. And so let's leave fantasy where fantasy is in entertainment, and in our real lives, let's bring clarity, and let's bring being present, and let's bring being non-judgmental. Be open, be respectful to all views and all ways. And anytime you feel a need to press your way, maybe put yourself in a timeout. Maybe go talk to yourself and research that subject that you just wanted to defend so bad because you may not uh, be as clear on it as you think that you are. Would asking the question, how could I see this as a gift? Is that very similar to what you're saying? So if it is raining during party, you'd be like, how could I see this rain as a gift? Yeah, I'm not saying that that uh, can't work or wouldn't work. That, I guess, could be related to positive thinking, which, again, I'm not judging in any way. One way that I've introduced it in the past is just learn to make love to the friction. As soon as you see what you're resisting, find a way to accept it. And I use the term make love with because that is the opposite of the friction. And so... Anything that we merge with and love is going to feed us. But the important thing is merging. See, some things that we just choose to love doesn't necessarily reciprocate that love. So there's no merging. That's why, you know, vulnerability is so important around love is it takes two to merge. You don't love somebody and then they love you back. (laughs) You merge into the love that is always there. And see, getting to merge with somebody and experience love is different than dependency on someone else to give you the love that you are looking for. So let me say that again. Ask yourself if the people that you are looking to so-called make love with, I'm not talking about sex, I'm talking about merging to love with, if they are meeting you to merge or if they're looking for some kind of exchange, 
No, if you do this for me, this shows that you love me. And then I will do this for you if you do that for me. And that's what I see in a lot of relationships. I call it let's make a deal. And I don't care for let's make a deal relationships. What it is is I want to be moving toward love, and I want to be around somebody else that's moving toward love. And then guess where we have a great opportunity to meet? In love. But neither one of us is dependent on the other to be in love. So this is a direction that I really wasn't planning or thinking that this conversation would go, but I feel like it's a, it's a great subject to, to touch on. And the subject of love is baffling to me anyway in the way that, that most people approach it in our culture. And, you know, I have another saying that I will end this part with, you may not want to call it love if you're looking for something in return. You may want to call that lust or or interest or affection or many different things, attraction. But see, love is just given. Love is something that you can merge with. And you're not looking for something in return. That's why the merging is so important rather than, well, if you love me, I'll love you. So here's my saying, I love me. Will you love you? And let's meet in the garden. So this reminds me of the recent episode we did uh, when we brought in the two questions uh, around relationships for or finding an authentic relationship, which adds on to the three questions for finding your authentic self. And so it brings me to those questions where we talked about what are you looking to give and what are you looking to get in return? And so I understand that when you're talking about love in that instance, you're not necessarily talking about a romantic relationship. Right. And so, but if we are, and we are looking to give and get certain things, and Mm -hmm. and we talked about once you know yourself, then you know you can answer these questions more authentically, then you can decide how much you want to bend within that relationship on, you know, whether you can be in that type of relationship with this certain person based on those two questions. So in the, in, the, in the way that you're discussing love in that moment, I can feel myself asking this or wanting to know the answer to this question as well as other people wanting to know this answer to the question, where is the line as far as those two questions and how that plays in not needing something from somebody in return? Because like, I can understand that from a platonic love or a family love but when it comes to a romantic love you have to be somewhat compatible because you are going to be sharing more intimate energies and space and so you know bring in and add it anything you want i know that it's a tough question for me to ask because i don't know exactly what i need to know but i mean i think this is you know i'll use the my son's living in hawaii a volleyball term that no that was a perfect um you know set for for this spike, so to say, because I love separating this in intimate relationships that love, in my opinion, shouldn't be part of the business part of relationships, the, the deals and what we do provide for each other. Love should just be given or, like I said, sought after as individuals and you share that with the person or the people that you choose. Now, as far as intimate relationships goes, the most important thing in most intimate relationships from 
the perception of the just philosophy is respect. And when you are making agreements between one another, see, that shouldn't, your love for someone should not be around whether somebody follows through with a commitment or not. That's more like a business deal. So I want this to fall under respect. And why I put respect over love as importance in intimate relationships. Because I can be around someone that I love, but not necessarily respect them and their choices, their ways, but my time is going to be limited with that. How long I can be around them before entering into frustration or difference of opinions and all that kind of thing. But I can be around or involved with somebody that I respect but don't love. I just like them. I like being around them, but I really respect their morals, what they're about, what they exemplify. I can be around that person for long periods of time. So whoever I'm going to spend the majority of amount of time with, respect is a necessity. Love is an option. But when I am spending time with somebody that I love, the time duration is going to be determined by the level of respect. Because when you start to deteriorate respect, for most people, it affects their love for that person. Because they're really not in love with them, they're in deal with them. Now, you do this for me, I do this for you. And again, I'm attempting here to separate love, that the deal has nothing to do with love. As all the greats have talked about, you don't need another person to experience love. And our culture has just put this projection that intimacy is about love. Uh, consider intimacy being about respect. And the more that you respect a person, the more intimate you're getting with them. Now, what happens is many people misplace their respect. And they put the respect on, A, people that they really don't know but have taken a class from or that have seen some videos. Or a rock star that they like the lyrics of their last song and so they put them on a pedestal. So most people misplace their respect and misplace their love many times because they're getting those two mixed up. And so that's what I would like to bring forth for everyone to truly look at is who do you enjoy spending more time with? Somebody you respect or somebody that you love, but at the same time you don't necessarily agree with their ways or their politic views or things like that. So if you want to grow intimacy – Work on conversations that build toward respect, which the very first step is that you follow action out of things that you speak that you want to do or that you are doing. And it's, it's called, you know, just walking or talk, so to say. And if you're not sure if you're going to be able to follow through, then just don't bring it up in conversation. See, there's nothing wrong with either one of them. But what many people lose respect for is when you bring stuff up and then you don't follow through with it. And I do my best to educate people or inform people that if I talk about a certain project like my book that I started at the end of last year, 
And I got into it a little ways for a few months, and then I just decided to back off and enjoy life for a little while. So I took three or four months off to just, I was still working and still doing the podcast, seeing my clients, but I stopped developing any other projects to enjoy the spring and to enjoy some new vinyl that I'd gotten and some fires outside and some people that I wanted to be around. And I informed people of that. Well, they'd ask, how's the book coming along? Oh, I'm taking a break from it. See, I don't want to misrepresent. No, I'm still intentional. I've changed my path slightly, and I'll pick that back up here. Actually, right now is when that's happening. But I've enjoyed that time, and I see I don't need to explain that in very much detail. I can if somebody wants me to. But again, I don't feel a need to explain it because I'm comfortable with that truth. And so... Hopefully that carried that person's able to carry on respect for me because we'll be following through with that. But I'm not also going to stick to something stringent that just because I said it, now I've got to complete it and go against all my natural so-called urges or interests. So a big part of respect, once again, we bring it back around to this beautiful subject of communication. So most respect is built around communication, and most love is destroyed by the failure of communication because respect is lost. Well, I will say that we have discussed the topic of respect and love and attraction in the episode where we discuss the principles of relating, and I will, of course, leave that link in the show notes. So I kind of want to leave that where it ended with you and if you're okay with that because i want to get back to the uh, the topic and allow that to generate more questions and so if if you do have more questions i would go back to that episode on the principles of relating and then uh, contact us through email or through our facebook group or any of our social media and with the questions and and maybe we'll form another episode in the future off of that because i still have more but sure but getting back to what we've already started crafting, I wanted to bring in when you're in a conversation or in the space of another person, I feel like it's also important to recognize when they have an emotional reaction. And what does that look like? How can we identify that? Yeah, well, normally a lot can be seen in the face. And as I've discussed before, when you see somebody's eyebrows drop down, uh, that's uh, it's kind of like a pushing energy. So that that look, or sometimes people's chest will pop out. Sometimes they will it will concave, and their shoulders will come forward. That's normally a negative emotional. Um, you know, a retaliation emotion is the chest kind of comes out. Uh, the person leans forward. A person's body uh, position can tell you a lot, and then the intensity of what they're saying. Many times, it's not what you said; it's how you said it. And that's normally the emotion that's charging the words. It's what's behind the words. So, you know, as we were just talking about the whole the love and respect thing, most of the time that's what has happened is emotions have gotten involved in a conversation. And maybe somebody's excited and they're getting pumped up in a so-called positive way. Maybe somebody gave them some compliments that day. And, and the person goes, you know what, I'm going to start a diet tomorrow, you know. And they say that, and then they're all in the energy, and sometimes we're influenced, and we can see it visually through a human design report, how we're influenced. And so that person could be literally 
100% sure in that moment that they want to start a diet, but then they get away from the person that influenced them, and the next morning they wake up and they go right back into their same routine. And see, they lose respect in someone's eyes because their emotions colored their decision. This is in a so-called positive way. And then they have lunch with their friend that they were talking to that night, and at lunch they're eating fast food. And the friend says, oh, I thought you were going to start a diet. Now there's defense and judgment, you know, shame, all these flooding of emotions. And what really started this was just the original excitement that generated somebody to say an idea that they had that they could have just not said it, had the idea and kept it to themselves and then woke up the next morning and been like, whoa, I'm so glad I didn't say that last night because I don't feel like starting a diet today. You know, so there's no judgment of the person's actions of whether it's right or wrong. It's just where does respect get lost? And many times it is through an emotional reaction when somebody says something that you know, you just can't take back 100% once you put that vibration out on the planet. So that's where taking just a moment to ask yourself if you have the self-discipline to follow through with what you're about to say. And then stand in that power and follow through with it. But if you get at a point where you need a break or there's life bringing you a circumstance, still stay disciplined but inform those around you, hey, I'm going to take a break from this, but this is why. And that's something else to get across is that you can make adjustments to things that you profess out there, and it's done through the communication and the willingness to explain why you're making this adjustment. And see, that's not catering to people. It's not asking for people's approval. It's merely communicating what you are doing. And first off, we have to be centered and present enough to be able to see all of that ourselves, to be able to communicate it. And most people aren't that present, so that's why they get defensive when they're asked a question about something that they (laughs) initiated. And so that is another example of how respect can be lost. And then that, if they're in a loving relationship or intimate relationship, that can start to weigh on the love. Like I said earlier, it shouldn't. They should be two separate things. And the thing is, is that it may be good for the two people to separate either temporarily or potentially for good when they realize that the respect is starting to be lost. They can still save the love. And this is why some people, when they split up, they're able to stay amicable because you separate before the respect is lost. And all that needs to be is that, yeah, you're not around each other as much. And both parties continue doing whatever you want to do, but you're not going against things that you've said and blah, 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 that that type of thing. So um, so I think that's an important part to bring around of how emotions can color a situation. And that is a perfect example for my next question, which was, why is it important to either A, identify when you're having an emotional reaction in a situation, or B, when the other person or persons are having an emotional reaction in that situation. Like, what is the goal here? And then can we, as a conscious 
person in the situation? Can we manage the situation so that it turns out a certain way, regardless of how conscious the other people are? Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought this question up because I've been wanting to give this teaching for a long time that when you do recognize the emotion shows up, whether it's with you or whether it's with someone else, you can realize what has happened is receptivity has stopped. If this is somebody that you respect and you want to continue being respected at any extent, then the situation is to politely say, I am very interested in this subject with you. I feel as though we are reaching a point to where our openness is starting to close. And I would like to continue this conversation. So could we please change the conversation for now, but maybe meet up next week for lunch and pick this subject back up? And because part of that is the processing that whatever has been shared up to that point before that door got closed hasn't been processed yet and that's the pressure of what the resistance starts to people start to put up their walls it's just a sign potentially that there needs to be processing done before moving forward with this subject with this person and so setting the next time to get together to discuss it is the important part and then with the ideal is when you're working with another person that you realize the the goal is to communicate not to change each other's mind, but to be willing to explain your point of view as clearly and as in-depth as you possibly can and to accept and possibly take it as incentive if the other person can explain theirs in more detail and at a deeper depth. See, this doesn't have to be competition. It can be inspiration. And then you might take that week away to process what they've had and give you time to study up more on what you are so-called defending. Or in that, you may start to shift your view some. And then it's amazing when both parties are able to come together and say, you know what, some of the points you've brought up have helped me to see this differently. Now I'm not as stern in my view as I was. And the other person says, wow, that's beautiful because... Some of your points have helped me to see it a little bit more clearly as well. And see, neither one has to change their view completely, but to see that the exchange of energy and the exchange of information was actually useful. And the main point was you kept the emotions out of it. And as soon as the retaliation, as soon as the need to prove, as soon as resistance shows up at all, you use the three R's. You recognize that. You show respect by saying, I really want to continue this conversation with you, but I feel like we have reached a a point of less receptivity. And then you redirect it to another conversation and another date and time to pick up the previous conversation. And that two people develop, two or more people developing that over a long period of time can develop what I like to call conscious communication. And I think in all of that, you were saying that the importance or why this is all important to even do to begin with is because in most situations, the the point, the intention is to communicate between two or more people. And if an emotion comes in, then regardless of what side it's on, that communication is not happening at the most optimum level. Yeah, it's turned from communication to talking. And then talking turns into debating. And debating turns into arguing. 
most people just keep going down a trail that is getting further and further away from communication. And so we've been trained in this. We've been trained that when you meet some resistance that you push harder, that whole willpower, willful thing. And rarely in life is that actually the most useful thing to do. Many times those trying to build the physical body, it's very needed to do. You push yourself every day to those limits. And it's similar in these other levels, on the emotional level. For those that really want to do deep emotional work, then they work to release daily. And they work to fill the void that that release creates, fill that back up with something that is useful. And that's a process. And same thing with people with the energetic imbalances and needing to be around people or situations that brings them into more harmony. But through all of these, normally to get stronger, you work through the friction. For anything to grow, it needs friction, resistance. So anything that you don't want to grow, you accept and you stop giving it resistance. So that's why as soon as you see the first sign of negative emotion show up, you don't have to fix it. You just stop feeding it. So this kind of brings it into another question that I had where you did bring in will and you brought in acceptance. So it kind of goes back to the will versus trust argument and whether we have the opportunity to take a stance in that situation or go into uh, allowing and accepting. And maybe you can talk about when maybe either one is ex- is acceptable or when you should take one of those in, in any situation. Well, I mean, if we're talking verbally here, um, and maybe we're not, we're not just talking about that, but verbally, very rarely is it useful to push, um, to push your point. You know, for the physical body, working out, like I said, you had to push yourself past the limits, but not necessarily to push somebody else past their limits. You're going to get retaliation. So, you know, for things that you want to be more intimate with, See, that takes more vulnerability and less friction because it's vulnerability is about receiving and accepting and not looking for approval. So as you're navigating through all of this to realize that, yes, if you want more intimacy, then you're going to have to potentially go down the path of more vulnerability. And more vulnerability means less making stands less boundaries. So see, it can be seen as an external to internal thing that more intimacy is more internal thing and vulnerability is internal to overcome certain causes like right the wrongs of some people that's being treated unfairly. See, the protester that is able to last the duration of time is normally the one that has the most success, not the one that carries the most anger or the most force. So this is why I'm all for protesting and protesters. That's not what I'm here to do, but I just suggest do it non-emotionally. I'm not saying not have emotions. Have them. Get upset. Release them. Scream into a pillow. Go for a run. Work out. Burn off that anger. But then when you go to represent your cause, be present. Be centered. Be calm and be patient. And those that are pushing harder, they're going to tire out faster. This has been proven 
you know, uh, from the beginning of 2020 and all the shifts we went through and the different racial stuff we went through when the pandemic was starting or the epidemic, it was really posing people against each other when we needed to be uniting more. And so we've kind of come through both of those storms and there's been damages, but it's divided a lot of people. And the thing is, is that I've seen some people be divided that I know that are really on a very similar mindset at the core. They just got caught up in some language. They got caught up in some emotion. They got caught up in choosing a side. And there's no judgment in that. There's just a cost to it. I have a perfect example of what you're talking about. I've seen multiple videos of uh, people who know their rights as an individual and which I highly respect, you know, because they know what liberties they're afforded. Yes. And and so they feel the need to put this into exercise. So they put themselves in a situation or maybe maybe fate twists and puts puts them in a situation where they have a run-in with police, whether it's being pulled over. In the most recent video that I've seen in the past couple of weeks, this was this guy was pulled over, but he also was like a, what he calls himself, a cop watcher. Okay. And he knew how to talk, how, you know, what questions they weren't allowed to ask. And he was in a traffic stop and he, he did just enough, uh, I guess, that was legally required of him and um, did it all non-emotionally. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of respect for him for handling it that way. Mm-hmm. And then after it all happened, he started yelling obscenities, calling the cops all kinds of names. And I'm just like, man, he did it so perfect. He demonstrated somebody of that point of view to gain the respect of those watching. Mm-hmm. And then to me, he just lost it all going into that emotional reaction after mm-hmm. it was over. And I don't know whether he like just held it in to... to go through that process and then he just had to like let it out because it built up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that animosity and as we've talked about early in the podcast, I don't don't know where we've brought it up recently, but when you have an emotional reaction towards somebody, you're justifying whatever they're doing to you. And so to me, he lost all that respect that maybe the cops had for him or, or viewers such as me. Mm -hmm. And he just lost it all because I just can't support somebody who who is going to just call people names. It's just unnecessary because right, they're right. just doing their job and, and following what, however they've been taught. You know, and I think that's a good example of, of course, we don't know how conscious this person is, but it doesn't seem like so-called conscious action. It seems like adolescent action and that, yes, you learn enough to bend the rules to stay out of trouble, but then you're going to antagonize just like you're supposedly fighting against the police antagonizing the citizens. And so this quite often the um, hypocrisy of people that utilize the mental level to learn stuff, and this is a good example, that they just got it on one level. And the spiritual and the energetic and the emotional and all that, see, is still toxic. And so that's never going to play out over long term in a good way for him because he will mess up at some point. And then more than likely, the police and the system will make sure that they set an example to 
an extreme because maybe of this extreme that he chose. So there is laws of cause and effect. And, you know, in this work, we just call it the cost. And so he's just pouring gasoline on the fire rather than putting the fire out. And if the goal is for the police to be more respectful to the citizens, you're certainly, I mean, you have to show respect, I would think, to possibly start to gain that respect, show that that you're not against that person, that it's the the system and the roles that we're playing that's creating that. Yes, yes, and that's the separation, and that's why we have multiple podcasts talking about the roles that we play with people, uh, because it it is a way to take the personal out, and most yeah, cops are doing their job, they're doing what they're told. They do have a personality, but cops deal with a lot of stuff day in and day out of people that are very challenging. So when they meet a so-called normal or decent citizen, they, you know, many of them take precautions. And so by no means am I protecting or standing up for the police. This is more of an example of how we don't know what's going on in someone else's life and the role that they're playing in that moment. And I've shared on many podcasts roles that I've been projected into and how I've had to use this philosophy very intensely to keep myself from being part of events that later on I would really regret. And that came from practicing this stuff that we've discussed on this episode just every day and working on managing those emotions and There's nothing negative to managing because that's what we do mainly with children. Optimally, you learn to manage them because managing gives room for people to do their own thing. It's similar to coaching, but when you get into raising and teaching and that kind of thing, that's that's more like you're making something what you want it to be, where managing is more like you're allowing that freedom of this design and you're just helping to navigate it through safe environment. And so, you know, anyone that has any issues with the worm management, please try to see that in a different light, that it, it allows that individuality as well. And that's why I choose to use tools like the human design and the destiny cards with everybody that I interact with. It gives me a, another level of compassion and uh, deep levels of how to communicate optimally. In the next level of navigating situations when emotions arise, we've talked about when we can identify emotions, an emotional reaction within ourselves, within another person. Now, when certain emotions are introduced in a situation, there are certain actions or perspectives that should come in and take place around certain types of emotions, right? And I wanted to bring in a few here and maybe we can run through the scenarios or examples okay. of what we could possibly do when certain emotions are brought in. So, so the first is fear. So when fear is introduced into a situation where there wasn't, like it could just be one person in a group of people that has a fear around uh, an experience that has currently taken place. Mm-hmm. This is a deep subject, but we are just going to talk, touch on it today. So, You know, many people say that you're in a party of five and everybody's vibing and say that you're going rafting as a group and everybody's in a good mood. But then one person brings up 
what's going to be the level of rapids that we're going to be going through and okay say hypothetically level three well maybe this person's only ever been on a level one and so right away they go uh that might be a little scary for me and i'm not the best swimmer see right away there may be people in that group that want to actually be doing level four or level five but they're catering to level three to to be fair and Immediately, what most people will do is they will try to comfort and let that person know that, no, this is going to be okay. You're going to be protected, and we're going to be there, and blah, 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 blah. But many times, what could happen is that if you're able to realize that fear has been introduced, and this brings a different level of what could happen with everyone involved here. And so for that situation it could be worth the consideration to say, well, hey, since we're together and this is your first time, let's just do a level two today, just push you just a little bit past your comfort zone, but we'll certainly be safe there. And I think they would feel that in that description. And then those that do want to do something more intense to do that on their own time or at a separate event, this isn't just catering to the the lowest common denominator, but it is in what vibration do you want to carry? Because if those five people go on that level three and that one person is scared the whole time that they're on there, there's more than likely going to be at least one other person involved because whoever they're sitting beside or whatever, more than likely at least two or three people involved. And it can throw the focus of the whole group off. And especially in an event like that where you need your attention. See, and none of that will be intended but nobody's going to know to what level of fear that person's actually going to go through until they get on the water. But that person initiated and said, hey, I'm showing concern. So my suggestion here, instead of going into it much, much deeper and you know how energy truly works and plays out, is just that consideration that if you're in a situation and you see fear introduced, the consideration to be adaptable and flexible for the overall good of everyone involved. And if that's not means you're not going to get what you really wanted to experience, then make sure you go do that with or for yourself or with one or two other people that you know or at that same level. So once again, this can come back around to communication, finding out where everyone is at before you book the so-called rafting event, just little things like that, because Remember, everyone wants to be included, typically. Most people want to be included. So they won't always bring out their fears when something's introduced. This is why it can be great advancement for anyone to ask the question, to to throw that fishing line out there before the fear gets even created. So hopefully this is just a little bit of information of Once again, this is about how to manage emotions, not just in yourself, but other people. And sometimes we can ask the right question before getting in the excitement and we can avoid a lot of potentials. Now, how about if joy is introduced into a situation? Well, yeah, when joy is introduced, it's just as confusing as anger or sadness. Um, And most people don't take the time to realize that. But when you're joyous... Um, you're not present and the energy does so-called go up and 
you know, people think that that is enjoyable, but they don't realize that however high you go up, you have to come that far down when you come down. And so this is the roller coaster that most people are on. So again, we are not uh, talking about suppressing anything. It's just that pay attention to the amount of joy that you have to display and that the amount of display does not equal the amount of joy. Many times the amount of display is exhausting or taking away from the joy. So, you know, I choose to keep a more steady um, countenance, so to say, so that I don't have to be in those valleys and peaks. And so when I feel joy and I feel very excited, I can have that whole experience just in a smile. And it can seem like it can even last longer. But every now and then, you know, I'm going to let out a woo and just really feel it. But normally I do that in more like solitude, more with one person or a small group that I really know and, and it's just for that burst. But see, we're not communicating. The whole part of that is, is to have that experience of, hey, let's touch on joy. But we're not trying to communicate or make plans here. And then that moment is experienced and then let go and then back into conscious communication. So I think the more important thing is combining these emotions and the attempt to communicate no matter what the emotion is, whether it's so-called positive or so-called negative, you're more than likely talking or debating or potentially arguing and not communicating as much as you would really like to be. All right, uh, let's bring in anger now. Well, anger is very similar. When anger is activated, normally you'll go to an extreme and not just with that person, but with similar situations all the way through your life. So, when anger gets activated, you're not just dealing with, you know, Bill in front of you. You're dealing with all of your siblings, your parents, your past relationships. And so remembering and being reminded that emotions aren't intelligent. So they don't know the difference between levels of anger. They just know when anger is being activated and it brings up all the anger from your past, not just of that situation. So that's why anger is so dangerous. You know, sadness can be immobiling, immobilizing. So, yes, when sadness is activated and it brings sadness from the past, see, it can make people almost immobile. So they're not as dangerous, but anger actually fuels. And uh, it can be very dangerous, you know, when it gets into rage. And rage, you know, is anger without any foresight of the cost. You know, so this is... Potentially one of the most important ones, anger and guilt or shame are a few of the most important ones to nip absolutely as soon as you can. And then if you do have a lot of anger in you, to work that out through physical exercise and exerting. And if you're easily to anger, it more than likely means you've got too much energy built up. You need to go burn some energy off. Hopefully, those few pointers are very useful for everyone. And we could throw in frustration, too, with anger. Yeah, probably yeah it goes normally. Normally, anger begins with frustration. And uh, some people skip frustration and go straight to anger, but that's normally, you know, an extreme situation. But, uh, but yeah, really, the, the basis of all those is just realizing you're not seeing things clearly. And if you're attempting to communicate, communication has stopped. And I think that helps anyone in seeing 
why they can are so limited in their intimacy in their relationships and with their ability to truly connect with people. And it is this obstacle of emotions and communicate conscious communication can't simultaneously be happening. You're doing one or the other. You can be consciously communicating, but as soon as the emotions come in, that conscious communication stops and you go into talking, you go into debating, arguing, those type things is normally the direction that it goes. All right. So I think we went pretty deep. I feel like we always go deep right at the end. So hopefully people (laughs) are lightened up through our three minutes of stillness. Again, if you have any questions, contact us in our Facebook group, our social media, or uh, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at wise-wise.com. And uh, enjoy the three minutes of stillness. Wonderful. Reach out for anyone of you looking for individual sessions as well. Blessings.
We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings, as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T. P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y dot com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment. It's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com. V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L dot com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.